set me free, for my heart would still refuse you had your love not chosen me. Now my heart sees none above you, for your Let us pray. O God, you free us in pardon and you give us a new chance. Cleanse us, we pray, and align us again with the familiarity of your instruction. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the other day I struggled yet again with one of the most difficult tasks of life in our modern world. And I failed. You know what I'm talking about, right? I was trying to fold a fitted sheet. (laughs) Flat sheets, no problem. Fitted sheets are the bane of my existence. Truth be told, I like them just fine when I'm making the bed, but when it comes time to fold the laundry and I come to the fitted sheet, I'm likely to say some bad words, or at least think them. And so I decided that this time I was going to do something about it. I did the obvious thing. What was that? 
No. No. I Googled it. And I learned in that process that I'm not alone. Google says that an average of 27,000 people every month do a web search for how do you fold fitted sheets. <laughs> and when you do that search, the result is really astonishing. I was looking for videos. I stopped counting after 150. And I didn't even include those that were advertising devices for sale to help you do it. So I watched, you know, two or three or four or five or six of them. And, and I learned how to do it. I learned the technique. I had it down pat. In my mind, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I still can't do it. Right on. And of course, this experience made me immediately think of our epistle lesson this morning. St. <laughs> Paul's words, I can will what is right, but I cannot do it wretched man that I am. Of course, Paul is talking about something a bit more important than bedsheets, isn't he? Here in Romans 7, we have Paul presenting in this powerfully personal way his own spiritual condition, and it's not a pretty sight. But it's one that forces us to admit that he's pretty well got us pegged. Paul has been talking about the law of God and how it shows us how to live, how it tells us clearly what God wants us to be and to do. And Paul says that he loves the law of God. Indeed, more than anything else, he wants to live according to the law of God. And then he bears his soul in front of us. He says as much as he wants to do right, he finds himself over and over again doing things that he knows are wrong. And he doesn't know why he does it. So let me paraphrase this magnificent passage. Paul says something like this. I don't understand myself. I don't do what I want to do. I do just what I know is wrong. Even though the desire to do good is in me, I'm not able to do it. I don't do the good I want. Instead, I do the evil that I don't want to do. My inner self loves the law of God my outer self seems to be governed by some different law, a law that fights against God, and I'm the prisoner of that law. Well, those are very strong words from St. Paul. But I have to admit to you that this is also the way it is with me. And I know enough about human nature to suspect that it's that way with you as well. All of us know pretty much how we ought to live. We know what God wants of us. All of us know deep in the darkest reaches of our hearts that we don't live that way. Certainly not all the time. Some days it seems we don't live that way at all. Now, maybe you struggle with some big crushing sense of guilt or shame over something in your life. A lot of us know that feeling, at least at times. But even if that's not the case for you at the moment, you're likely aware, as most thoughtful people are, that scarcely a day goes by that you don't do something or say something or think something for which you're later sorry. 
a thoughtless word, a neglected duty, an angry or resentful or hateful thought. I mean, that's why we make our confession every week in church, right? That we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We know that we've done that. And it's not that we don't know any better. We do. We know better. We want to do better. We just don't succeed. And sometimes when things become really unbearable, we feel just like like Paul. I love the way he describes it. it. It's like some unknown evil force has gotten control of our lives and is making us do what we know we shouldn't do. Wretched man that I am, cries Paul. Who will rescue me? Who will save me from myself? You know, the, the law of God has a few different purposes. We usually think of, of the purpose that, that Paul is mentioning here, that the law of God shows us how we ought to behave. It tells us how God wants us to behave. And that's a very important part about the law. Theologians say that there's a, a second use or purpose of the law that they call the theological use, which is even more important. The law's purpose is to bring us to that point of recognizing how completely we have failed to be the people God wants us to be and the people that we want to be. Uh, The letter of James James uses a a, a wonderful um, sort of metaphor for this. He says that the, the law of God is like a mirror. You look into it and you can see what's wrong with you. And it's only then When you come to that point, when you can see and acknowledge that all is not right with you, that's when you can hear the gospel, the good news. That's when you can hear the the clear and gentle voice of Jesus Christ breaking through to you in all its simplicity with words like those in the gospel lesson this morning. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Oh, those are words of promise that touch my very soul when I realize that they are spoken to me. Words that are irresistible when I see that the burdens are mine that he offers to relieve. For what are those burdens really but the frustration and the despair that I feel when I realize that I just can't keep from doing wrong when left to my own devices? And just when I feel the most helpless, that's when I hear those words and discover there is someone to help me, someone who says to me, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But then comes the paradox. For no sooner does he lift the burden from us Then he gives us another to bear. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, you know, many fail at the Christian life just at this point. They are willing, they are eager, oh, so eager for Christ to take their burden from them, not so eager to take his yoke upon them. 
They are willing for Christ to forgive them, to accept them, to comfort them, not so willing to learn from him. And if we're not willing to take on his yoke and learn from him, the result is that we stumble back into our old ways and we just gather up more and more burdens of guilt and unhappiness. What is the yoke of which he speaks? For many years, this puzzled me. You know, I've never been a farmer or a rancher. Don't have any firsthand experience with yokes. But what is a yoke? A wooden thing they put over cattle or oxen. Right, exactly. And why do they do that? So they can pull together because as a team, they're stronger than one would be by himself. What Jesus means when he says, take my yoke upon you, is that we are called to be yoked with him, to share his yoke, to do his task, but not alone. We do it in concert with Christ himself. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, by joining ourselves to him, by Working alongside of him, walking alongside of him, we learn his way, the way of gentleness and humility. And his yoke is easy. Now that doesn't mean that it doesn't bring challenges with it. But in ancient Palestine, an easy yoke was one that was well-fitted, one that did not irritate the animals on whom it was placed. It was a a yoke that made it possible for them comfortably to carry a very heavy burden. Indeed, it made that burden seem light. And when we are yoked with Christ, the yoke is easy. The burden is light. And so this, you see, is a most gracious invitation Our friend Paul, who struggles so hard to do what is right, who struggles so hard until he can only cry out for help, Paul hears the offer clearly. We can be controlled by our human nature, or we can be controlled by the Spirit of God. We can struggle endlessly to do right by ourselves, by our own power, and keep on stumbling in our own failures and mistakes, or we can be yoked with Christ, who will walk with us, right beside us, teach us his way. To be controlled by that human nature, Paul says, means nothing but death, but to be joined to Christ, to be yoked with Christ, means life and peace. And so we're confronted with the law, which shows us our sin, shows us in vivid living color the truth about ourselves, warts and all. And then when we've seen that and acknowledged it, we are offered the gospel of grace and mercy and peace. And what a blessing it is to hear those words. Come unto him, ye that labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him. For he is gentle and lowly of heart, and you 
will find rest for your souls. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.